Hello, welcome to the Indie Star Pacing the Pacers podcast. I'm our Pacers editor, Nat Newell. I am with our Pacers beat writer, insider, James Boyd. Uh, we are trickling down on the season here. Six games left. That's perhaps the best thing you can say about the Pacers <laughs> right now. Um, but coming off the second worst back-to-back losses in Pacers franchise history, um, adding to all of that, they were act- there was actually a fire. It wasn't that Toronto was on fire. They were, <laughs> the way they were shooting. The arena was actually on fire uh, Sunday. Take us uh, through what – you were there, James. Take us through what happened. Yeah, so this was actually Saturday night. I flew out Sunday. But it was um, a weird setting. I wrote about it first person. I figured that would be the best way to kind of go about it. I don't really know how many quotes I could get from players all saying the same thing or coaches, you know, we all never experienced anything like this. So I just gave you a play-by-play of what happened. So you can go check that out on anystar.com. But um, – the biggest thing was a smell. Like, you could smell something burning. And you're in a big arena. I'm thinking it's probably concessions or something. But it didn't smell like food. And it kept getting, like, you know, heavier and heavier scent. And uh, eventually, you st- I-, I look at Chrissy Myers, who actually I was courtside in Toronto, which is kind of rare to be court like that, like really, like courtside, right by the bench, could hear everything. And I'm sitting next to Chrissy Myers, who is the PR, uh, you know, head for or, or works for the PR for the Pacers. And she's like, I could see her talking to, like, the Pacers staff, like, hey, what are we doing? Are we going to get players out? What's happening? I'm like, no one's asking me if they're going to get James <laughs> out. Like, what's, what's going on here? And you see a bunch of people getting up out of a seat, uh, out of their seats in this huge lower bowl of the arena. And um, that's when the video, I, I believe, surfaced, and we started hearing, like, rumors. I was asking what was going on, you know, to PR people and people next to me. You heard about the speaker being on fire, and that kind of explained the smell. And then from there, it was just um, – it, it moved pretty quickly, I would say. You know, it, it went from, all right, we're playing, there's a smell, to everyone's got to get out their seats, we're still playing, to, all right, let, let's stop the game, and everyone's got to go. And um, there was a guy next to me, I believe with his son, um, great seats, I could understand why he was upset. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's, he's looking at me like I'm the one in charge, and he's going, you know, hey, uh, is it, are they for real? And I'm like – Yes, they are. Like, the fire marshal's <laughs> on the court. Like, I don't know if this is not a halftime skit or, like, some, you know, a movie scene. Like, this is real life. There, there must be a fire here because firefighters are here. Um, so, we were – I was never given any clear direction on what media should do. So, I just followed the lead of all the other Toronto media. I was thinking, if they're not leaving, I'm not leaving because, in my eyes, this is, the, this is now the story. It kind of clicked in my brain in real time. I'm sure you probably saw it too, Nat, like – we have state championships going on back here. You know, we got, you know, the, 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 the NCAA tournament or whatever else is going on. And I thought to myself, you know what? You just went from having, like, the story no one's going to read to the story everyone's going to read because there's a fire. <laughs> so um, I stayed there and, you know, took some pictures, which I'm sure you saw, and I sent back to you, and I was walking on the court. And no one really stopped you if you had a badge around your neck. So I was thinking I'll get as close to the action as possible and took pictures of the police officers, the firefighters, even got a pretty cool shot of the guy, the two, it was actually two um, firefighters hanging from the ceiling um, who were like finally extinguishing that um, speaker. But yeah, it was a really weird night. And then it turned into the bubble again. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, I was home. I said it was Sunday. It was Saturday. I was home watching the game on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 
I saw the stuff on Twitter uh, from the Raptors, the Toronto Star Raptors beat writer, Doug mm-hmm. Smith, I believe his name, mm-hmm. about them clearing out a section. I believe it was a sold-out game, too, so yeah, it was no yeah. small thing to be clearing 000, out this section. Yep. Um, and then I was a little – I mean, I was surprised, impressed. I don't know what the right word is uh, – just sort of how transparent it all was. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had they made the announcement on the PA pretty quickly. They showed that on TV. Mm-hmm. No threat to the public. Mm-hmm. Electrical fire. Um, the Toronto police, I believe, mm-hmm. tweeted out. It was an official Twitter account uh, that it was a two-alarm fire. Uh, a speaker was on fire. Yep. Um, so that would explain why they're clearing out a section. It's above the, the place yeah. where the, uh, the yeah. they're clearing out the section where the, the speaker's hanging over. Um and then it took an hour. It was an hour delay, and they played yep. again. I mean, and again, they I, you you got to believe they want they even they'd be happy to refund the money so that the Pacers do not have to go back to Toronto yeah. to play uh, the last uh, two quarters and four minutes of a game they were already losing by twenty five points. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, it, the game was stopped. It was sixty six thirty eight in the second quarter with four minutes left, four oh five left on the clock. Um, so by that point, the game is over. Um, you're basically just waiting. I mean, it was the second game in a row. They were getting blown out. I mean, they got the doors blown off them in Memphis with no John Morant. Lost by 30. You go to Toronto, you're down 28 when the game gets stopped. And at that point, I just figured, you know, are they going to just finish the game? But the outcome was never in question. There was not going to be a, a, some epic comeback. Um, and at that point, all the notes I had on the game, the few that I did besides, you know, <laughs> not playing much defense, losing really badly, things like that, I just threw it out the window and kind of just went with the color of the scene in the, in the arena. Um, and I have yet to do it now because I finally got some sleep after such a crazy night. But I got some photos. I did throw a few up on Twitter of them playing in an empty arena, like Kiefer Sykes going up for a dunk. You know, usually if a 5, 10, 11 guy dunks, you get an ooh from the crowd, you got nothing. Maybe an ooh from a couple of ushers. <laughs> and that was weird too. Now, like they brought all the ushers back and essentially they were – the fans or, or the few that would be there. And I was joking with Tony East, uh, who writes for Forbes, who covers the Pacers, um, yesterday, and I told him, I, I truly believe this. I was kind of joking, but I'm kind of serious. I believe if I got up and, like, sat in a courtside seat, no one would even, like, care because there was no one there. Like, it was it was a very unique situation. Well, it's um, not all that unique because we just went through a whole season. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, like just for, for that reasoning as far as, like, the speaker, I don't <laughs> yep. think anybody, you know, I was talking to the PA announcer. He said he's been doing this 27 years. He'd never had a reason to stop a game because of a speaker catching on fire, which is actually a good thing. You know, you don't want that to happen frequently. <laughs> the, the fewer fires, the better. Exactly. As a so, but it was definitely a weird um, atmosphere. It went from having a 19,800 fans there going crazy after every three-pointer to, you know, hearing every single – curse word or or jab at every <laughs> single player you got buddy Hill tell, telling precious Ochoa when he shot a three like hell no you're not gonna make this and then vice versa you got you know uh and an OB telling O'Shea Brissett Toronto native after he shot a mid-range jump shot like hell no to you so like you could hear the trash talk even more <laughs> and it, it's almost funny because I'm like dang you can't really complain to the refs as loud as you probably normally would because you can hear but I don't even know if the refs will give you a tech at that point because well, there was some talk about that during the bubble that that because the refs Heard everything that yeah. there were more texts. It was one of those stories yeah. that, that flared up early and then went away, and no one yeah. talked about it again. But you know, I can, but I can see that. I can it was, see it that. was weird. It was, and then so, and again, shout out to uh, Jennifer Quinn of the Raptors PR. Chrissy Myers got me some dinner. I did not eat my normal pregame meal, Nat, because I was touring Toronto, being a tourist. I was like, oh, I get something at halftime of the game. Halftime didn't come, <laughs> and then when when halftime did come, it was like ten minutes, and they had seven and a half minute warmups to restart the game, and. Obviously, no concession stands are open because no one's there to work them. 
and uh, they scrounged around and got me some apple juice and pretzels and some biofuel water. I didn't drink that because I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an athlete. I don't, I don't need any electrolytes. I just needed something to put on the stomach, which was, which was fantastic. And, um, you know, I made it to the end. But it was a very unique night. And the only person I really felt bad for, obviously the fans and things like that, they'll get refunds. I read actually an update from that Toronto account where they'll, they'll get refunds for their tickets and they'll be able to come back for a different game. Um, but O'Shea Brissett, the Toronto native, only goes home once a season, had a bunch of family and friends there. He actually told me he went to the Justin Bieber concert the night before. <laughs> um, Tyrese Halliburton was also there. He told me he loved it. It was, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> but um, the following night, obviously the reason they're there, you know, O'Shea Brissett's family and friends weren't able to be there for much of it. And he actually played really well. Um, he was the only bright spot early in the game for them. Um, I believe he finished with 21. He had about 11 or 13 in the first quarter. He was cooking a little bit, but just one of those things where you'll have plenty of stories to tell down the line. Uh, obviously, I mentioned that the, the, you mentioned they lose by 30 to Memphis, by, uh, 40, by, to by Toronto, yeah. 40 to Toronto. That's the second to worst back-to-back losses. Last night, it looked like it was going to be – I was looking up the, th- the worst back-to-back-to-back losses, um, but they did recover. I, I would think that as – what we're seeing the last couple of games is probably not too meaningful other than it's the end of the season and they're short players. Uh, I mean, what's your take on what, what, these, what this recent performance means long-term? Yeah, so this would be a good chance to pivot. Um, you mentioned players being out. I believe they had about six or seven guys out. Um, I don't have right in front of me, but, I mean, they signed Justin Anderson to a second 10-day contract, his third overall, second consecutive 10-day contract, which gave them nine players. The league minimum is eight. And then I saw O'Shea Brissett warming up. Um, he was smiling in the photo for all the fans. He looks pretty happy for a guy with a sore back. I mean, are you not allowed to smile if you're going to miss a basketball game? I mean, I, I don't know how that works. But um, he was ruled out. Um, he was a late scratch, went from not being on the injury report to just completely out. And they were down to the league minimum eight players. And the eight players they had out there, a number of them are, have played in the G League this year. You know, Lance Stevenson, Justin Anderson, Terry Taylor, like – these are not guys that you're going to build a team around or say, honestly speaking, if they're going to be pieces for the, for the future. You kind of have to just throw bodies out there, and you're already depleted. You don't have a lot of bodies. You're not that talented of a team anyways. And so I think these losses are a byproduct of, um, one, not being good. Two, <laughs> you're resting Malcolm Brogdon for mysterious reasons. Um, I'll let people, you know, think whatever they want about that. Um, and then on top of that uh, – you're not playing like against like really bad teams. You're playing against playoff teams. So um, this is well, kind of what Memphis happened. and Toronto are two of the hottest teams in the exactly. league. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and Memphis is just unreal. Now, I mean, just a little side note. I think I, I'm curious to see how they respond in the playoffs because you do need a second star, I believe, in the playoffs. But man, they like they don't have a second star, but every other player on their team is like like above average and really good at, at whatever they do. There's just not a star besides John Morant, but. Here, neither here nor there. I mean, they, they stood no chance against that team, and they stood no chance the last few games. And last night, um, Halliburton got cooking a little bit, got them back in the game. But defensively, they just, they've given up 130 points three straight games. It, it never really felt like they were going to win that game. It kind of just got to, okay, it'll be a little more cosmetic because it was an 18-point lead at one point. And I, my lead, um, for all you out there, L-E-D-E, not, not lead, but L-E-D-E, um, the lead for my story was almost going to be Boomer taking shots before the game because <laughs> I kid you not now, I was like, man, like they could probably use the extra body. He's out there like throwing up, you know, shots. And it looked like a freaking AAU game because they had like 
you got the Hawks over there with all their players and Trey Young warming up and all these, these layup lines. And you got the the Pacers. You can't do layup lines with eight players. Like, not really. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it looked very bleak. So, um, we've got six games left. I don't really know how many more they win. I mean, even Detroit's played well as of late. Um, but we'll see. You ask the fans. They want you to lose all, every single one of them and get a better pick. But at this point, I believe they're pretty much locked into that fifth spot unless something drastic changes where – OKC goes on a winning streak or something, but I don't see them really fluctuating from that that lottery fifth spot. And obviously, the ping pong balls matter. That's when you know your real spot. Yeah, they said uh, they could pass Sacramento, but it seems I think it's two and a half or two mm-hmm. games, and then it's four and a half or it's, it's all yeah, it's almost impossible for them. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that we 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 touched on briefly. Uh, if you have the fifth, if you're fifth in the lottery, mm-hmm. you are almost certainly not going to pick fifth, yeah. which is a weird little mathematical thing. Mm-hmm. If any team moves up, one of the top four teams ha- just moves down one spot. Yeah. So if one team moves up, then whoever the fourth team in the lottery is, that's getting is going to move. You know, the four lottery teams move down. Yes. Now the Pacers could be moving up, and that would be a good thing. But it, so I, I, at one point, I mean, we've talked a lot about who they're picking fifth. Mm-hmm. It turns out they're probably not picking fifth. They're. I think it's about even whether you pick sixth or seventh, or you pick in the top four spots. Um, so it's it's just a little mathematical quirk that you finish fifth, and you're probably not going to. All the lottery teams would have to be the top four picks for them to pick fifth. So. Exactly, and I think people. Don't really understand that. I think some fans do, but some fans, just casual fans, they probably don't. Um, but the bottom line is just wait for the ping pong balls and you'll know for certain. Um, but in regards to that, you know, another reason why they don't bring a guy back like T.J. Warren and then most recently, like we found out yesterday, Miles Turner has been ruled out for the last six games now, with seven yesterday, um, of the season with the stress reaction in his left foot. Um, from what we gleaned um, from uh, uh, Rick Carlisle, he did – Participated in two practices, at least two practices. He was in doing some contact stuff. Um, but at this point, it was kind of like, why bring him back? Um, and I will say, even besides the fact that they're most likely not really trying to win games, he's dealing with a foot injury. It's his second year, I believe, in a row, not playing the rest of the season due to some lower body extremity. Um, so you probably want to make sure, like, when he comes back, he's ready. And you're not fighting for anything, really. So there's no point in rushing that guy back. So he's been ruled out for the rest of the season. T.J. McConnell is still um, uh, uh, up in the air. He's got a right wrist uh, injury he's recovering from. He had right wrist surgery December 7th, so he's been out for months. Um, but he's not like Miles. I mean, you kind of want to protect Miles. You don't want him to come back and, and get hurt. And go well, a foot injury season. is different than a wrist exactly. injury, Exactly, and, and even, my, like, you know, T.J. McConnell's been able to run and, and get some conditioning, whereas with a foot injury, you can't really condition the same way you would because you can't run. So, um, yeah, without Miles in there, I think the one maybe – negative about that is you don't really see him with Halliburton and Buddy and all these other guys. Um, but from what I you know, heard from, well, I'll say like Rick gave a great PR answer saying that he thinks they'll, they'll be fine, they'll be great, everything's looked great in practice. Yes, that's what you're supposed to say. I don't know how it'll work. He also work. said weeks, not months. Exactly. So, I mean, there's a couple of things you're going to say as a coach to protect your franchise and, and your, you know, business interests as opposed to us in the media trying to tell it like it is. So, we'll see what happens, but um, yeah, without Miles in there um, and, and without, you know, T.J. Warren and without a couple other guys, obviously, you know, it's going to be hard to win any games. But at the same time, you kind of just have to ride this thing out. And at this point, you, you just want to make sure you get through the season with all of your other guys healthy, Halliburton. You don't want anything to happen to him. Um, I could tell he's frustrated, though. I think that's the biggest thing that, that, that maybe 
the outside doesn't get to see as much. But when I'm around the team, it is frustrating to lose. They're not really trying to lose. They're just not, they're just not good enough to win. Like everyone's thinking, like, oh, like, they, like when Buddy Hill dribbled it off his foot against the Kings in the rematch game and all that, and everyone's always, like, yeah, great job, Buddy. Like, you know, he did that on the you – know, no, like he was really hurt. He was mad. He lost that game against his former team. Tyrese, you know, they, every, all week they told us it was – you know, just basketball. Yeah, okay. Like Tyrese <laughs> ripped wasn't. his armband off after the game and threw it. He was so mad that they lost that game. And that was probably the most dejected and irritable I've seen him after a game, which is understandable. I mean, he was pretty short with his answers, not much to say. Um, but again, like it's not because they're trying to lose, it's because they're not just they're just not good enough to win. Even like Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson is not a guy who goes out there and tries to lose. And if anything, he's fighting for his NBA career. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going out there trying to stink it up because he this is this could very well be his last run with the Pacers. I don't know if they bring him back for next year. We'll see. But nothing's guaranteed. So I mean, he only got back in the league for the most part because of COVID. I mean, yeah, they, they, they need exactly. everybody needed players. And Lance and now Lance proven he can play. I don't yeah. you know. That's, you know, credit to him. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly. Um, but I, I don't think he would have gotten a shot if without COVID. But um you know, you mentioned – well, the one thing that everybody – the players don't care. The, the players don't no. tank. The players do not want to lose. No. It does nothing for them to lose. I mean, obviously, they get a better player. Yeah. The team gets better. But also, maybe that player takes their job. The players – Exactly. <laughs> the players do not tank. The team no. may. The players do not. The yeah. players want to win. The players are, as you say, are fighting for their careers. Um, that's uh, – you know, so that's – it's crazy for people to assume anything yeah. else. And then, to me, it's crazy when people um, – want it like both ways like you want them to lose but you don't want them to lose badly it's like i don't want them to get lose by 40 lose by six and it's like you can't really choose how much you're gonna lose by and again these guys are fighting and trying but um i think miles's presence is 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 immeasurable with this defense right now because teams can just go to the rim whenever they want and, and do whatever they want and even when they get to the rim, it's not necessarily finishing at the rim. It's that you're getting there, you're not getting deterred, so you just kick it back out for a three. And if you're a good three-point shooting team like Memphis and Atlanta and Toronto, I mean, these teams just rain threes on them, and, and you could play pretty sound basketball offensively, but you're still down. Like, they scored 30 points in the first quarter, which isn't bad, but they gave up 44 last <laughs> night. So, I mean, anytime you give up 40, I, it might have been, I, I have to check this for sure, but, it, I mean, I'm pretty sure in that three-game stretch, it was not the first time that they gave up 40 points in the first quarter. Um, it was pretty ugly in Memphis. At one point in Memphis, it was 84-48, and I was like, wow, the score's flipped. So, I mean, these are some, some dark days, but six games left, not much you're fighting for. If anything, like I said, you just want to get through the season healthy, see a little more from Halliburton and others, but at this point, I think you know he's your best player. Um, I, I think Heald's shown that he's a, uh, you know, he could be a serious yeah. contributor. I mean, he's yeah. been good since he's he, – and better than – he talked about this. Mm-hmm. Better than he was in Sacramento, I think, in t- certainly in terms of his all-around game. Absolutely. Whether he's coming off the bench or he's starting for you, I think – I mean, you can count – I think you can count on him as he could play minutes on a really good – on a team that can win a playoff series. Yeah, I would say that for sure. And I know – you know, Sacramento fans are always in my mentions telling me how bad he was, but I don't know anything much about his time in Sacramento. I can't speak on what he did there, but here his assist numbers have almost tripled. Um, he's scoring at a pretty high rate. He's actually been a better playmaker than I thought he could be. Um, so he's doing what's asked of him. I think the question becomes, do you want to pay him all that money going forward or do you move him and try to get some other pieces? So this obviously will be interesting. I, I, don't, I think he's earned the right to stay in a sense, but it depends on how much you really want to, like, rebuild. But I have the sense that the, the Pacers 
want to be right, right back in the playoffs next year. And I think if they're healthy, um, which has been the freaking plague of this team, <laughs> but if they're healthy with Miles and Halliburton and um, a top five draft pick, they should be able to, in my opinion, be a top ten seed in the Eastern Conference next season. If that will happen, I don't know. But I do think that will be the goal. I don't think they're, you know, willing to sacrifice two seasons to, um, you know, bank on another high draft pick. But we'll I see. mean, that's that's the, the thing, though. It's really hard to do this in one season. Yeah. I mean, you look at – I mean, Cleveland's the most recent example. And even then, they've fallen off to the point they were in the play-in game last yeah. I looked, uh, which could impact the, the Pacers draft pick. But mm-hmm. – one year to do it in one year is tough, but you can do it if you because and it, it does seem like they have pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I think whether Heald's back or not, what they have to me right now is wings. I mean, they've got yeah, and, and guard and point guards. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got Halliburton, they got Brogdon, they got Heald, they got Duarte. Yeah, I theoretically you can start three of those guys, although I don't think that's ideal mm-hmm. size wise. So the question then becomes, can you? You know, he. I like Heald. I think Heald, like I say, I think he, he has a role. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that you could easily bring him off the bench uh, mm-hmm. as well. He's done that throughout his career. But do you want? But does somebody does somebody offer you something for him that because of the makeup of the roster makes more sense to trade him? I would put Brogdon in that position too. Yeah. This, I, I mean, at this point, you almost wonder if you're better off. Someone will take Brogdon. You, you can just use his salary spot in free yeah. agency. But uh, not that he – again, he's a good player, but he's, he just can't stay on the court. Yeah, they need 3 and D guys in my opinion. That's, that's the modern NBA. All these teams you see, Atlanta, um, especially Memphis, they have guys that defend pretty well and they knock down open shots. Like, that's just the end of the day. Like, I mean, outside of Halliburton and Heald, the Pacers don't really have great three-point shooters. Um, Dwayne Washington is pretty good. He's kind of streaky. But I wouldn't say he's a great three-point shooter. Like he's not a consistent 38% or above three-point shooter, which I consider to be good. Some people might be considered to be 40% or up, which is kind of rare in the NBA. It's pretty hard to do that. Um, but, yeah, I do think that they need some more guys that can stay in front of somebody on the perimeter because they get blown by so easily, and it just messes up everything else defensively, whether they're getting a layup at the rim or a kickout for a three-pointer, which is the theme of, of their last few weeks. I mean, 130 points, three straight games to give up is – it's pretty bleak stuff. So, I mean, we'll see what happens against Denver, but I have a feeling that Jokic will probably have a field day. Well, I mean, they're missing Turner, uh, who yeah. would make a big difference at yep. the rim. Not only that, they're missing Isaiah Jackson, who's been out. We can touch on him. Yep. Another uh, at least potential rim protector. Yep. I mean, I, I, you can't not like what you've seen from Isaiah Jackson. Right. I also don't think we've seen enough of it to say, oh, he's a building block piece. Mm-hmm. Certainly could be. Right. And for the 22nd pick or whatever he was, I, right. you got to like what you've seen. He's from like 20 so or 21, so he's super young. Like, right. He has and a and in, you, the athleticism is off the charts. Yeah. Uh, so if those, if Turner and Jackson can get back next year, again, that that's a nice. Those are two nice pieces at the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, you and then you've you've got. Um, uh, you've got uh, Karis LeVert's salary slot, which mm-hmm. is probably – it could be a 3 and D guy like mm-hmm. you mentioned. Oh, it could be a power forward, some mm-hmm. kind of three-point shooting power forward. Um, and I think, like, you know, as we talked about, Heald and Brogdon, I think, are totally up in the air in terms of what, yeah. what, whether they're going to be here next year or not. Again, not because of anything other than you've got to look at everything if you're the Pacers and who are you bringing in. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing much has changed draft-wise. It's the same four guys at the top mm-hmm. in home. Uh, um, Chet. Chet, Holmgren, not Holmgren. Oh, you got Paolo out. Uh, Paolo Bonchero, yep. Jabari Smith, yep. and Jaden Ivey. Yep. Um, Jaden Ivey? 
Yeah, he's still he's, he's still a consensus top he's, five pick. He's not gonna Matt. fall out of the lottery because of one bad. Are you kidding game. me? Twitter uh, told me he was awful at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think it seems like, again, I'm just going based on what I've read and seen out there. I'm no scout. A.J. Griffin from Duke seems to be like sort of working his way into the consensus fifth spot. He's another wing. He mm-hmm. could be sort of a 3 and D guy as a floor. Um, mm-hmm. If everything works out, he could be better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things fall off after that, unfortunately, for the Pacers. So uh, I think – Getting a moving up in the lottery is going to be is huge, but you know you can't. There's no way to control any of that. Right. So, um, and we touched on Jackson. He's had headaches. Um, he had yeah. the concussion. He was out for two um, games because when of he that. got when he got the technical foul for getting hit in the face with the ball. <laughs> um, weird tech ever. And sometimes these things linger, and it's scary. And I mean, you just don't. They're only calling it headaches. You said you've asked if it's concussion related, and they mm-hmm. won't say that it is, but they right. won't say that it, it's not. Right. But. You know, uh, concussion symptoms can go on for months. You would assume there's not a lot of risk uh, by the time next season rolls around. But we also don't know his history. Has he had concussions before, which is always the big thing with concussions. Um, So that's a little bit, uh, uh, I mean, uh, scary for certainly for Isaiah Jackson. Uh, Fans ought to be appreciative of how how difficult that can be to go through. Yeah, I think it just kind of sums up a really weird road trip Um, you had. Jalen Smith, um, I believe he missed the game in, in Memphis because he had an illness, um, non-COVID illness or whatever. So he was out, and then Isaiah Jackson didn't even travel with the team because he was dealing with the headache thing. And then Rick Carlisle didn't travel on the last two the, the, the two-game road trip because he was dealing with the family emergency. As Lloyd Pierce kind of phrased it, he's back with the team. I believe everything is fine from what um, the way Rick was last night. He didn't seem like he was in his head. And I believe if it was more serious, he probably would have stayed away from the team longer. Um, it's one of those things where life happens. But – it was a really weird trip where they were down players, down a coach, and then dealing with the fire. So um, <laughs> well, I had an eventful week for all the wrong reasons, <laughs> and I, you know, and it's funny because I was, you know, you're, you're right, you know, I had this. I, I got up earlier than I normally would, got out and about, was walking all around Toronto. I had got, I got in way too many steps, and I'm thinking, all right, get to this game, you know, autopilot, knock this gamer out. You know, anything else happens, I might do a side story on O'Shea because he's back in Toronto. And then that entire plan shifts, and it's like, oh, wow, like I've stayed up really late tonight and, like, you know, get this story done. And um, real quick, uh, the process of getting into Toronto during a pandemic is uh, very interesting. I will say that it is not like Indiana. They, they, they take COVID a little bit serious, more serious over there, you know. <laughs> well, um, they had only just started letting fans back into most I know. of the season. They yeah, had. yeah. And I, I don't think if you were unvaccinated, I don't, you wouldn't have been able to play in that game, yeah, correct? I, I believe so. If you're not vaccinated, you cannot you cannot play in Toronto. Um, you can't. Even, I don't even think you can enter Toronto. the country, right? Yeah. That's my so I had to have the vaccine records. I had to get I had to get a negative COVID test. I got one in Memphis because um, you could only get it the day before to like huh. get in or something like that. So I got one in Memphis. Then I had to you know you land in, in Toronto. You had to answer all these questionnaires while you're going, while you're there. Blah blah. I probably had one of the most unique answers saying that, hey, I'm going to be there for a basketball game, but not <laughs> as a fan, as a worker. Um, pretty believable stuff, I guess. Um, and then when you land, they give you a COVID test when you land. And then on the way out, you had to get, I had to get a separate COVID test at like a pharmacy there to come back home. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was quite a process to get in and out, which is fine. Like it was worth it to, be, to get a chance to go to Toronto and tour the city and, you know, go on the road trip. But to cap it all off with a fire and um, – Scotty Barnes getting stuck in a stairwell on my way out. Um, it kind of just summed up a really crazy trip. But, yeah, it was um, 
it was interesting. And also, I got, I, got to, I got to talk to Miles for the first time in forever just because he was friendly enough to talk to me while we were waiting around for the game to start back up. So, yeah, he asked me if I had seen anything like that. Miles, I have not. I have never seen anything like that. Hopefully, I never see it again. Uh, and we'll see. I will see some more Pacers game this season, though. We got six left. Nat, how many are they winning? Oh. I'll give you the schedule if you need it. Let's see. They, well, they've got, got Denver, Boston, Detroit, Philly twice, and then Brooklyn. No, they're not winning any of those games. Detroit seems like the only possibility there. I mean, because those are really – I mean, uh, there was a uh, – the, the Pacers broadcast, I think to start the second half of the season, had a, a graphic that said the Pacers had played one of the very toughest schedules mm-hmm. in the league at the beginning – till that point, mm-hmm. and they had the easiest schedule, or maybe it was one of the easiest, but the rest of the way. But we're past that. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. that is not – and I mean – now, I guess the one thing is the, the one thing people talk about is does Philadelphia want to make sure they don't get matched up with Brooklyn uh, in the playoffs? So will they be tanking, uh, quote-unquote <laughs> tanking, to avoid uh, playing uh, the eight-seed Brooklyn? Uh, that might, I guess that would be their best hope. I'm not sure the Pacers – well, maybe if they sat everybody, then the Pacers might be able to beat the uh, 76ers. But, uh, but uh, another thing that's interesting, uh, Justin Anderson, you mentioned, signed a 10-day. Yep. He will not make it to the end of the season. No. So it'll be interesting to see what they do for the last couple of days because, heck, if they didn't have him, they didn't have eight players. And right. Got, no and one let wants me to point be out that one of, one of the players that was not playing was Malcolm Brogdon who could have rest. Yes, and maybe McConnell comes back, yeah. or maybe McConnell is good enough to be declared right, healthy. Exactly. And but I do want to point play. out that you know Malcolm Brogdon has been out for like four or five games consecutively. I believe it's four at this point um, due to rest. They actually listed him a few games ago. It, it might have been Toronto. It was like he's uh, like questionable with reconditioning. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. what does reconditioning mean? Because he had missed a couple games before rest? that. Yes. Like, how much are you resting to need reconditioning? I don't know. But, again, I'll let people use their context clues to figure out why Malcolm Brogdon isn't playing. I, I would the assume there it's not his choice. It's the team's choice, and he's willing to go around, along with it. Um, mm-hmm. But it has been a very strange um, number of th- – again, I'm not, I say strange. Sometimes you're sort of insinuating something. I'm not even sure I'm insinuating no. anything with Malcolm except that they want him to sit so it's easier to lose games. I don't think – he. Pretty I mean, simple. people want to talk about him being soft and all that stuff, and I, maybe he is, but – I promise you, 99, you don't reach the point that he has reached without being a tough person. You don't, 99.9% or more of professional athletes want to play at all costs. It's their job, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's their continuing employment. Mm -hmm. Again, are there a small handful that do uh, exaggerate an injury or whatever? Sure. I just am very, very reluctant to ever point that out unless I've got really strong evidence, which we don't have with Malcolm other than him missing lots and lots of games, which you can see in my fancy 3D pie charts <laughs> that I tweet out. But Very uh, true. Well, I promise I won't take any games off for rest down the stretch. Uh, <laughs> you got my word on that. <laughs> yeah, and then we have, I mean, there's usually a lull at the end of the season, and then uh, May 16th is the start of the Combine up in Chicago. Yep. May 17th is the lottery. The Combine runs through the 22nd. The draft is later in June. Free agency is in there as well. Without a doubt, we are about to get to the far more interesting part of the Pacers season, which starts pretty much after the finals. There isn't going to be a whole lot going on Mm -hmm. um, with the team between the once during the playoffs. They Mm -hmm. don't. They want the uh, the NBA wants the attention on the court. Mm -hmm. As soon as the playoffs are over, though, things get really much more interesting for this Pacers team. Absolutely, Um, there will be. 
draft players will come in for workouts. Normally those are stories that we do, but unless there's some interesting local angle, it's not a big deal. This year it's a big deal. Uh, you gotta, you're going to have a top whatever pick. Um, so it'll be, uh, you know, uh, it'll be much more interesting for fans uh, coming up than it is for these last six games. <laughs> Very true. All right. Well, we appreciate you joining us, and we will be back uh, throughout. Uh, I don't know if we will do another in-season podcast, but we will probably do more once we get to the active part of the off-season <laughs> than we have in-season. So please keep coming back to IndyStar.com. Follow James on Twitter, uh, and thank you for listening.